0: you for being patient with me. Well, I have a question for you this morning. I am wondering if you have ever met somebody in your life that thinks they are amazing, that thinks they are wonderful, that thinks they are the cream of the crop and a gift to humanity. Ever met somebody like that? <laughs> we probably all have met somebody like that in our time, and you know, in, on our time walking this earth. And I'm wondering if maybe even for just a split second, if we thought it was us. I don't know. Just a split second. Maybe somebody who might act like this.
1: Everybody loves me. I am so great. Honey, Everybody honey, loves honey.
0: Could you please be quiet? I love Bart's stunned face at the end of that, like, but I am so great. What are we talking about? Why be quiet? In today's sermon, in today's final sermon of, but first, let's take a selfie, we meet a character in scripture who does not think he is so great, does not think he is um, the cream of the crop like Bart Simpson, but in fact thinks he's just the opposite of that. In fact, thinks he himself is a nobody. Today we look at the patriarch of our faith, one of the greats. We look at our brother Moses. Last week, Eric ended um, his sermon last week looking at Joseph. And Joseph was the son of Jacob and Rachel. Joseph was sold into slavery by his very own brothers because he was that annoying own brother uh, singing, I am so great, going around saying that um, to his older brothers. He was clothed and wrapped in that technicolor dream coat and his father's favoritism, remember that? And so we learned that what Joseph's brothers meant for evil by selling Joseph into slavery, God bent and turned for good. And through that act of salvation and redemption, God saves many, many people from famine, including Joseph's own family and um, generational family as well. And so time has moved on now. About 400 years later from that moment, pharaohs have come and gone, and there's a new pharaoh in town. And this new pharaoh knows nothing really of that story of Joseph, or what Joseph did, or, or even the salvation of a people from famine, from hunger. He knows nothing of it. But instead, what he does know is that in his own land of Egypt, with his people, the Egyptians, now there are so many people there that are not Egyptians. They, in fact, are the Israelites, these Hebrew people. Remember the promise that that God gave to Abraham that these people would be as numerous as the stars in the sky. Exodus 1, 6, and 7 says this. Then Joseph died and all his brothers, and that whole generation. But the Israelites were fruitful and prolific. They multiplied and grew exceedingly strong so that the land was filled with them. The Egyptian pharaoh grows more and more concerned and fearful of these Israelites just because of their growing number. And so he decides to then rule them differently. He decides to rule with an iron fist to force ruthless oppression upon them, forces them into hard, harsh labor. But the more they were oppressed, the more they grew in number, the more they grew in strength and unity together. And so this pharaoh takes the next step. This pharaoh decides, well, they're still growing in number, I'm going to declare that every new Hebrew baby born that is a boy shall be thrown into the Nile River. This is how he's going to take care of that. And so here's where we pick up the story of Moses. Here we are with this this wonderful, amazing story that maybe many of us have heard growing up as children. But we're going to take a 30,000-foot look at the story, not down in the reeds, but look at it up from above. And so here is that famous moment where Moses is born. His mother knows what will happen to him now because he is born. And so his mother takes a basket and and wraps it with pitch or covers it in pitch. So that basket will float, even if it will float for just a few days. And she lays her baby in that basket and gently nudges it off into the Nile River. The desperation of a mother that wants her child to live. But in a turn of events, the pharaoh's daughter is down by the Nile River. She is bathing there. She sees the basket. She takes the baby, and she raises that baby as her very own. So this Hebrew baby in the arms of pharaoh's daughter, growing up in the pharaoh's palace, sitting around the pharaoh's table, eating the king's food, he grows up to a man. And so years later, Moses leaves the palace. He wants to see these Hebrew people. He knows who he is. He wants to see. And so he goes out, and he sees an Egyptian harshly treating one of his own Israelite people. He looks around. No one seems to be looking, and he kills that Egyptian man. But he is found out, and Pharaoh wants him to be killed. And so Moses flees. Moses flees to a place called the land of Midian. He stays there a while. He marries. He has children. And just as God foretold long ago a descendant of Abraham, he too is an alien living in a foreign, strange land. And so just just a plain old ordinary shepherd-tending kind of a day it was for Moses. Just hanging around the sheep doing sheep things, and this is what happened. Listen to the scripture, Exodus 3, 1 through 10. Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led his flock beyond the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of a bush, He looked and the bush was blazing, yet it was not consumed. And then Moses said, I must turn aside and look at this great sight and see why the bush is not burned up. When the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he said, come no closer. Remove the sandals from your feet for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. He said further, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said to him, I have observed the misery of my people who are in Egypt. I have heard their cry on account of their taskmasters. Indeed, I know their sufferings. And I have come down to deliver them from the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey to the country of the Canaanites and the Hittites, the Amorites, the Pezzarites, the Hivites and the Jebusites. The cry of the Israelites has now come to me and I have seen how the Egyptians oppressed them. So come, I will send you. I will send you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So over the last several weeks, we have been looking at how God calls people their response to that call, God forming that person, God redeeming that person, how God uses what we do to transform us and to transform the whole world to the kingdom of God here on earth. And so God has called Moses to this, you know, easy breezy thing, just a little thing, to go to Pharaoh, the one who wanted him killed. Just go to Pharaoh, ask him, Set my people free, free from oppression and slavery and captivity. Can you even imagine it? Moses just sheepishly minding his own business and then this? He did not have a Bart Simpson kind of moment, did he? Not at all. In fact, he doesn't think he's great one bit. In fact, he gives five reasons why he's not the guy for the job. So after God's call from the burning bush to Moses, this is how he responds. Here's his first response in Exodus 3. Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? He says, who, who am I to do this? I mean, seriously, there must be someone else. I'm a nobody. But God reminds Moses, I will be with you. You will not do this alone. I will be with you. Moses' second response, Exodus 3.13. Moses said to God, if I come to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, and they ask me what is his name, what shall I say to them? So Moses's first response was, who am I to do this? Moses's second response was, who are you? Who are you asking me to do this thing? And so God says who he is. God says, I am who I am. Tell them that I am has sent me to you. Thus you shall say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my name forever. This is my title for all generations, the Lord says. This is who I am. Moses not satisfied. Here's his third response, Exodus 4. Moses answers, but suppose they do not believe me. Suppose they they don't listen to me, but they say, the Lord did not appear to you. God reminds Moses again that he will be with him. He says, lift up your staff, and he shows Moses three different signs to to show to the Israelite people, to prove to them that this is God, and he really does need to be listened to. This is really happening. Moses, still quaking in his sandals, not quite with him, has a fourth response. Exodus 4.10, Moses says to the Lord, Oh my Lord, I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor even now that you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and I am slow of tongue. It is believed that Moses had a stammer, a stutter when he spoke. And he's saying to the Lord, not only do I not even know what to say, but I can't even say it. Now, if I were God at this point, I might be getting a little hot under the collar. But God answers back again. Moses, I am going to be with you. You are not going to do this alone. And in Exodus 4, it even says this. You go, and I'm going to even be with your mouth. I love that. I'm going to be with your mouth, Moses. Not just with you. I'm going to be with your mouth. One final protest from Moses. Exodus 4:13, he says, Oh, my Lord, please send someone else. In other words, I don't want to do this. And then the scriptures say that the Lord's anger does burn against Moses and offers to send with him his brother Aaron, who does speak well, who is eloquent, but is not the one who was called to this task. But he sends Aaron along with Moses, and so they go. And they go back to Egypt. Moses goes to Pharaoh ten times, ten times to ask him to free the Israelites, his own people, to be set free from slavery, set free from oppression. Ten times Pharaoh says no. Each and every time Moses returns goes back. And each and every time Pharaoh says no, the Lord delivers a plague upon the land, the people of Egypt. Ten times Moses went. Ten times Pharaoh said no. Ten plagues were put upon the Egyptians. And the tenth time, afterwards, Pharaoh said yes. Your people may go. Your people may be free. Exodus 14 30 31 Thus the Lord saved Israel from that day from the Egyptians and the Israel and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore Israel saw the great work that the Lord did against the Egyptians so the people feared the Lord and believed in the Lord and in his servant Moses Through Moses, God, act to set a whole people free, to walk right through the open waters of the Red Sea onto dry land. The very next verse after that, the very first verse of chapter 15 says this. This, These words are Moses' words as he leads people in singing praises to the Lord. Listen to these words. I will sing to the Lord. For he has triumphed gloriously. Horse and rider he has thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my might. He he has become my salvation. This is my God and I will praise him. My father's God and I will exalt him. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. Out of Moses' mouth. As we think about the story as we think about the patterns that we have seen, that we have been looking for all throughout this series, God's call and our response, God forming us and God redeeming us, it makes me wonder. How did Moses go from, I am a nobody, I don't know who you are, God, No one's going to listen to me. I am not a good speaker. I don't want to do this. Two, I will sing to the Lord. He has triumphed in glory. This is my God. This is my might. This is my salvation. And the Lord is his name. How did he go from here to here? Something has happened in the heart of Moses to get him from here to here. What is it? Something has happened in the walking back and forth to see Pharaoh 10 times walking, 10 times over and over, back and forth, 10 times Pharaoh said no, but 10 times God was with Moses, 10 times God put a plague on the land, over and over, walking back and forth, and back and forth, saying yes to the Lord, responding yes to the Lord over and over. Moses begins to know God in a very different way. Moses begins to know himself in a very different way. He begins to know who he is and what it looks like to say yes to God's call. So Moses finally says yes, and it it didn't work out, though, like he thought those first ten times it didn't work out, but then it did. And in that repetition of do it again, God is with you, do it again, God is with you, do it again, God is with you, there is where he found his formation in God. There is where he found it, walking out that salvation towards God in a yes response as he was formed and redeemed. This is where we go to. From I am a nobody to the great I am is my salvation. And so, what about all of us? This is our last selfie in church. the selfie that we have been looking at week after week, where we hold up our phones to take a deeper inward picture of ourselves, all the while we're looking at the patterns of our past, looking at the past of our ancestors' past, to see what is behind us, to see the patterns that have shaped us, and to see our present and our future. Where? Do you see those same patterns over and over that we have discovered in the last handful of weeks in Scripture? Where do you see them? In your own life. How is God calling you? How is God calling you to maybe believe in Him for the very first time? How is God calling you to maybe go deeper in your faith? Is God calling you somehow, somewhere, to speak out against injustice or oppression that you see in front of you? Is God calling you to serve in a new or a different way that maybe you have never thought of before? Is God calling you to pray more, to love your neighbor more, to forgive more? Where and how is God calling you right now this morning. I think the pattern that we see in Moses' life is one that God wants us to also see and perhaps recognize in our own. That when we say yes to God's call, when we step out in faith, faith, when we know that we are not alone, that God is with us in every single step, that maybe when we do step out in faith and it doesn't work the first time, or maybe it doesn't work the second time or even the tenth time, that every single time God is with us in each of those steps and we are being formed and shaped by all of it. And here's the wild thing. The wild thing about this is that when we say yes to God's call and when we respond and go forward, that we are also helping others to see and respond to their call, that we are also helping others to also be formed in their faith as well. We do this as a community of people. How is your heart being tugged this morning? your heart, your mind, your soul? How is God moving in you right now? If you are like me, you might already have your five or 50 reasons of, no, Lord, you're crazy. Not me. It took me 27 years It took me 27 years to say yes to God. 27 years before I said, okay, yes, Lord, I'll be a pastor. And I remember that moment that I said yes to the Lord in prayer. And I said, okay, Lord, yes, I will do this. Okay, so yes, now what do we do? do, Where do I go? Said, first we just celebrate the yes. First, we sit here and we rejoice together that there is a yes. And then I will tell you where and when to take your first step. Where's God calling you? In what ways? In a moment, I'm going to ask the band to come sing a closing song. And I'm going to invite us to close out our service a little differently today. I'm going to invite all of us, every single one of us, to come forward to the altar, to come forward to the altar as an act of yes to the Lord. Eric and I are going to be up here to anoint us all with oil on our heads or on our hands as an act and a symbol of yes, Lord, yes, Lord. I want to follow you. I want to respond to your call in whatever way you're doing. I don't know how you are going to do this, Lord, but I want to say yes to you in whatever it is. I want a Moses moment right here, right now, Lord, where I say yes. So I'm going to ask you to come to the altar as you feel led to say yes to the call on your life. You can come down these aisles here. You can spend time at the kneelers if you'd like to. How is God calling you this morning? A deeper life in prayer, a deeper life in faith. Maybe to say yes to the Lord for the first time ever. A new ministry. Is God calling you to a do-over? Anybody just ever need a do-over? A reset button? Dear friends, God is calling you. And there's not anybody in this room. There's not anyone who God, whose God is not calling. That God does not want to use. He wants to use every last single sacred one of us. So as the band plays, let's come to the altar to say yes. Amen.
1: Isn't he one? You found.
0: church family a Moses moment this morning. Amen? A Moses moment when we go forward and we say, yes, God, I hear you calling me, and I don't know how you're going to do this, but we're going to do it together. So go now and take your first step, a step to say yes to God. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, now and forever. Amen.